0: 23 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Lewandowski and Dan Humphrey. He's back. Welcome back, Dan. Internet Dan is back. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Boom Boom Tuck, exclusive lifestyle brand. Now, with the president and head coach of the U18 for Team Ohio, Mr. Patrick Metzger. Metz talked to us about providing another quality option for young players with Team Ohio Hockey, as well as how Team Ohio evolved from a tournament team uh, to the organization it is today. It, it's definitely evolved through our eyes. You and I, we we were part of it during the tournament side of it. Um, and now we get to see and be part of it, if you will. A lot of our players play for the uh, organization side of it as well.
1: Yeah, Metzy, uh it's been a hard road, you know, from – like he said, self-admitted when he started, he didn't know what he was doing. Most days we also think he doesn't know what he's doing, but he does. And, you know, he's got it going in the right direction, especially as pre-post teams are always competitive at the tier two level. Um, yeah, just another good uh, good conversation with a guy uh, in the area making things good.
0: Yeah, and his team went this weekend. I believe they went three and one this weekend. Not a bad uh uh, weekend for them. I know one of his players um, did the old Michigan wraparound yesterday. Yeah, I uh, saw that. Did alone. you see that on the on the uh, interweb?
1: <laughs> yes, I did.
0: So did the old Michigan wraparound.
1: The old lacrosse um, goal, huh? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that that'll either make a, a coach laugh or make a coach uh, just like red face and Cry. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: so. Sure
0: so. yeah, Then we hopped the bus, went uh, on the ninety to Sylvania, ohio and caught up with the head coach of the northview wildcats mr steve elliott coach elliott talked to us about the history tradition and culture of northview hockey and also shared his views on the possibility of two divisions in high school hockey creating better competitive balance and growing the game you know talking to coach elliott as we've done many times before jay and and not in a podcast setting or any just in any setting we talk to him you really you really get to appreciate the passion he has for Northview and Northview hockey, um, spending 20 plus years in, in the organization. Um, and then not only that, but, but then talking about how you keep the Northview style over that many years, which he and many other coaches have done, but it's impressive as we talked about last week.
1: Yeah. He uh, he's been there for over 20 and he's been a key cog in the wheel of keeping the culture the same as it's been since 1978. I mean, they they started it right, they continue to build it right. The the the, the team dynamic, the style of play does not change. You know what you're in for when you're going to play them and 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 to hear his, you know, his delivery is so laid back and like I, we made a joke last week that this that last week when we spoke with them was was the calmest we've ever seen him. You can hear it even in his calm demeanor, you can still hear the passion he has. For Northview Hockey, for Toledo Hockey, for every single one of his players, even when he talked about how there are hockey players in his building that don't necessarily play for the school, he still supports them and, and gives them the, the respect and, and the help that he would he would provide for any of his actual players, if you will. Right. And right. Uh, very. It was passionate. fun to talk. Yeah, yeah.
0: Very passionate.
1: Definitely, yeah, it was fun to talk to him.
0: This week, uh, we get to chop it up with the creators of Boom Boom Tuck clothing line. From Ohio State University, Freddie Gerard. And from Minnesota State, Mankato, Charlie Gerard. Both Rocky River, Ohio natives fill us in in their careers to date, as well as what made them start the clothing line. Two guys starting their pro careers with many irons in the fire uh, during this time and during this uncertain time. So anxious to look uh, to talk to them and see what's up and coming for them and also to talk to them about their new clothing line as well. Then we are honored to sit down with a finalist for the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award. He's the executive director of the Columbus Ice Hockey Club, Mr. John Hafferman. Jay, I got to be honest with you. When you you see these different awards that go through, whether it's locally, statewide, or in this case, worldwide with the NHL, you look at a guy like uh, John Hafferman, uh, who was a finalist for the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award, uh, I, I am just so excited to talk to him and talk to him about what he's what he has been doing, what he's doing uh, with this uh, community, and how he's getting more people involved.
1: You know, when when in, in doing the research for him, one of the things that, that we read was that he started out helping ten to say 15, 20 kids. Now, on average, he has a hand in helping five thousand kids a year. Five thousand kids a year. That's amazing It's,
0: it's, un, it's and, unheard and it, of
1: and helping grow the game and exposing uh, those that may not have the opportunity to the game, to hockey, to the society of, to the cultures of, and, and through the program. We've had great interviews uh, in the 23 that we've done or 22 that we've done. This one's going to move to the top of the list just based on John himself.
0: Absolutely. Well, we've been advertising these guests for a couple of weeks now, and thankfully, see if Danny had his internet connection stabilized. <laughs> Danny, are you there?
2: Um, I, I'm here, but it keeps jumping in and out. So, I'm trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. As what is,
1: as, as, hey, as long as that red button's still on, <laughs> yeah. I'm good.
2: What is going on
0: over at the Hump Dog's house, man?
1: So
2: we um when we get ready to move i call my uh my lovely cable and internet provider AT&T Direct TV and say i just need to transfer my service from one address to the there's, next
1: there's how well it's going folks <laughs> yep <laughs> hey, hey 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 say it again because your AT&T Direct TV provider is on you. Go Gross, ahead.
0: Man, no, no free ads there No, for sure.
1: None. Um,
0: None.
2: No, so when we moved, I called them and we were just going to move our transfer our service from one address to the next. <laughs> Dude, it keeps freezing.
1: <laughs> ah, oh, that got ah, me good.
0: <laughs> this is good. This is amazing. The tech guy has no tech, Jay.
1: Oh my lord. You know, hey, actually, last week uh, we got a complaint.
0: This has got to go in. The, the oh, 100 percent
1: It's not getting edited out. We had a complaint last week from our head tech guy saying that no, he did not cut his internet connection. Chainsaw. <laughs>
0: he might look in the rabbit or the mice see sure? the wires. <laughs> Uh what's he uh, typing? What he wants to say? To yeah, now to it's going to
1: come through in a text or something uh, that says shut up guys. Yeah. So, and anyway, uh, how's your well, while he's while well, whatever he's doing, <laughs> how was your week?
0: Well, uh my week's uh very uneventful uh, okay. as you can say. Um the uh the virus has hit the Sullivan house. Uh, my Oldest dolly at a little high school, uh, her and a couple of her teammates, uh, tested positive for the COVID. So we have been on a 14 day, uh, quarantine. Uh, but I will have to say that, um, none of us, uh, feel, feel bad. I mean, no simp for the other three of us, but, uh, you know, she's recovered nicely. She feels perfectly fine today. We're in day, what day nine or whatever right now. So, Um, so just kind of, uh, doing some work from, from home here. Uh, I have it seems like I've learned how to use zoom more in the past, I think like everybody else past six months, but I'm excited to get back uh, out of the house. I actually, um, I'm looking forward to getting out of my development for some time. So yeah, that's it. That's about it. But, but the good thing though, Jay, is that everybody, my daughter, including her teammates that, um, contracted the, the, the virus, everyone's healthy. Everyone's good. Um, can't say that for uh, you know a lot of people in our country or our world, but you know for them, they feel really good and, and they're to they get back to school on Friday. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I I I was thinking a lot about uh, you know, I had some I have a lot of time here, Jay, to to really think, and uh, you know, I was thinking about some of our you know you and I have been doing this hockey thing. You know, we talk about hockey all the time. We've been doing this hockey thing for as coaches for over twenty years now, and some of the some of the things that that we have seen in the, in and out of the rinks are just, you know, make, make me laugh and just crack me up when I'm sitting in quarantine for 14 days. So, uh uh-huh. you know, but uh I mean, some of the trips we've taken, remember that we had, remember the bus driver we had, who was uh, straight off the boat from Poland. Oh yeah. And uh, bar-, he, he, bar, Yeah. Bar was a great guy. Still is a great guy. But uh remember the first couple times that, that he drove us, we didn't know what the hell he was saying to us
1: yes of course
0: you know and and, <laughs> and he would always say we'd, we'd we'd have to go over the border uh near okay. buffalo yeah. near buffalo and he'd be like it's he like hey timmy timmy we're gonna go up
1: to buffalo and we're <laughs> coach, coach we're not go over bridge here no we're going through buffalo buffalo bah-
0: buffalo so then then i was laughing you and i were kind of talking about this the other day when we did he couldn't make the trip one year we had like some substitute driver and he was like where where are you guys going over the border at i'm like buffalo he's like i don't know where that's at
1: (laughs) (laughs) and and i I think you said no 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 you take the 90 and you go up into new york and you go to buffalo buffalo and he goes you mean buffalo we're like yeah buffalo (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> that, yeah that was also that was also the first one of the first trips <clears throat> i asked bart i said hey bart do you know where we could take the kids and get something to eat you know we're trying to feed 20 plus high school guys and he's like oh yes 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 tip coach uh there's a happy buffet right over there yeah. whenever we looked at each other like what in the hell did he just say
1: it's it's what he goes hey, it's happy it's this happy buffet yeah so
0: yeah.
1: Oh, oh yeah the old, the old no free ads al Max.
0: Al Max, oh yeah, a good old Al Max. And, no and free, you, know, no you know, you know, you
1: know, it's funny. We're talking about that like we were the other day. When you go to places, especially in a team setting, you're gonna get chicken sandwich. Maybe if it's evening after the game and you guys are, you know, trying to get the boys and everybody's unwinding, you might have a steak. You know, whatever. When we went to the Rainforest Cafe, <laughs> and he had an open-faced meatloaf sandwich. And we looked at him and we're like, what the hell did you just get? And he goes, yeah. eh, it is a meatloaf. It is good. It is happy. I like it. <laughs> so he meals that down. I remember the bill came for that meal. And he looked at the bill and he went, Whoa, hey yeah. Bart, this might be happy. We're never coming here. Yes, yeah, no way, coach. It is garbage. No.
0: Yeah, no, this stuff garbage. Uh,
1: uh, he's the best.
0: Um
1: that was the trip where he kept playing the same song over and over again. It was by this group called uh, uh, Bambi and the Rockers. Uh-oh. I think they were yeah, out yeah, of like yeah, somewhere yeah. in the Buffalo area. No, yeah, actually, they were out actually, of the... actually no, no they they were in Buffalo right. for a concert. But from they were Michigan. from Michigan. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah Bambi yeah. and the Rockers. Bambi and the Rockers kept playing it over and over.
0: He he! For some, I don't know where he found that band at. It's like an XM,
1: like the kids' station.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. They were they were in Buffalo, <laughs> but they were from Michigan. Bambi yeah. the Rockers, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. They had ma- they had mascots and everything.
1: Oh, they they were they were set to go. They were ready to go. Yeah, I guess they put on a good show.
0: Yeah, I, that's well. From 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 what we kept uh, hearing, it, it sure sounded like it was interesting.
1: Yes, hundred percent. 100 100
0: i wonder what bambi and the rockers are up to these days
1: i, I wonder know. how co-
0: i wonder how could covet hit them <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, uh, <laughs> going on nothing, you? Man. Yeah. it's you know status quo trying to stay safe and uh still fortunate to be able to go on the ice once a week and and uh that's it. I mean, nothing. Getting excited that we're getting closer. The weather's been cooler the last couple of days. I know we'll probably have one more 90-degree day, and it'll send my uh, sinuses through the roof and make me feel like my head's going to explode, but um, just excited, man. I mean, I, I enjoy the fall time because I know we're getting closer. Things start to ramp up. Things are a little more intense. I know that the, the, the students have been in school. Things seem to be going well, you know, from, from word on the street from the boys, and and excited for you to get back in the building to be with them and, and yeah me too uh, me
0: too I'm looking forward to that and and it's it was obviously there's never a good timing for any of this but this no. was not a good time for me I mean I I really was anxious to get back in the building with all of our students and and uh and our players but most uh, all of our students and you know welcoming in the incoming class the freshmen and uh no I, I like I said I just thank thank God that everyone's healthy and, and getting better and um, you know those those girls will be back on the volleyball court here in a week. You know, so I look forward to that. But but I do want to say this little public service announcement. Um, and and those those of you out there that are listening that have uh, had either yourself or a loved one or a friend or anybody that you know that that has uh, contracted uh, COVID nineteen, it's not the plague, people. It's not the plague. Uh, I, I I love my neighborhood and, and we have some really great neighbors and they've dropped off. We got more food and, and stuff that, that they've dropped off on the front porch and everything, but y- y- you almost feel like people look at you and like, oh my gosh, that's the house that has the COVID. Well, oh think, my gosh. Th-
1: think about this. All right. So when when your daughter contracted it, caught it, however you want to word it, yeah, it's all whatever. the same damn thing. Well, she has it or had it anyway. You had to tell people. Well,
3: the, the first it's th- the right thing to I do
1: 100%. 100%. First thing that happened when you, you had to tell people, how did you feel? Did you yeah. feel? Did you initially feel like, oh, geez, I, this is going to be an awkward conversation? Yeah. Why? Exactly. Like, like look, look, look. <clears throat> do you want to be home? No. Did you, does your daughter want to be sick? No. Do these people want to contract this? No. It happens. We take care of others by then saying, hey, look, let me know this happened blah, blah, blah. Just want to make you aware of it. Thank you so much. We move on. Yeah. End the story.
0: Yeah. So it just, just a little public uh, service announcement. Like if, if you know somebody that has it, but don't, don't deem them to have the plague because it's not, it, it you know, if people do it the right way, like, you know, I, I give my oldest credit because, you know, she, and when she comes out of her room to go to the bathroom, she has a mess And then she has, she has the bathroom that's set for herself and her bedroom. She's been like this for Nine days, mm-hmm. nine days, right? I would go freaking crazy. Oh yeah, you know I, I tell you what, she has a a close friend here in the neighborhood, and and the and the close friend comes and sits on my front lawn in her chair on her because she goes to school remotely. Now my oldest one has to go remotely now, obviously, but during their lunch period, she comes over and sits on the grass and they talk to each other through the window.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
0: I mean, it's pretty cool. You know what I mean? It's
1: cool. I, so, I, actually, I actually thought you were going to say, when she comes out of her room to go to the bathroom, the rest of the house runs away and scatters. No,
0: no. Well, we, I mean, we started doing that. You know, the first couple of days was just, like, I just, well,
1: just. I meant to mess with her.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the first couple of days, I just wanted to make sure she was okay and, and everything. But now, yeah. I look at those, as people who contract it, like they got the plague. I'm running around doing the same thing oh, to my oh, daughter. Yeah, but, course. you know, we, us, us as dads, we're allowed to do yes,
1: that. Yes, 100%. Hey,
0: another, another quick uh, uh, story as I, I joggle my mind. Um, our first trip with that with bart the bus driver yep we go into it we go into a turn remember this jay we go into a tournament and for our listeners you guys you guys are going to love this we go into a tournament and he watches us play in in the first game and we win the game i forget like four to one or whatever it is and he comes walking out and
1: he's walking to the
0: bus and he goes he's like coach coach you got very good team you guys fast you guys strong very good
1: right that was, like, that was that was in the lobby
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my god thanks thanks Bart, appreciate that now we get on the bus and we we go we do our thing i think we probably went to the rainforest cafe or whatever well the next morning we we go to to the rink and we play and we lose two to one in a, in a nail biter and gotta be honest with you you lose two to one I, we were up in uh ontario somewhere we lose two to one i hope we played pretty well
1: especially against we, that
0: competition
1: we just didn't get the breaks yeah
0: no no and remember it was a late goal it was like a, a, yeah. a late third period goal yeah, and uh, Jay, remember
1: this? We come
0: walking out. I he got was
1: at, he was waiting outside the locker room. The bus driver was outside the locker room door.
0: I had the med kit. Our med kit was on wheels. Yeah. So I'm I'm pulling the med kit, and I come walking out of the like the tunnel area where the locker room was, and Bart, the bus driver, goes, <laughs> terrible, absolutely terrible. You guys stink today.
1: Guys look like garbage.
0: I'm like Bart, get. <laughs> on the bus like I and I told him I remember this I go Bart I've been yelled at by parents administrators referees other coaches it doesn't matter I mean I've never been yelled at by the bus driver just add this to the list
1: well the funny part was when we got on a bus and we start driving and we get like a block away from the rink and he <laughs> shuts the air brakes down turns the bus off gets on the microphone and he gets, he says you play like garbage. Get off my bus. Get off the bus. We're like, what? He's throwing us off the bus cuz yeah. we, we didn't win. He I, I was like, Bart, just drive the bus. He's like, you can't
0: play garbage and get on bus like this. Garbage. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Bart's a treat, man. Bart is awesome.
0: Yeah. I you know what? I think we should get Bart on here.
1: That Oh my god.
0: Because you know Bart Bart used to drive for uh the Youngstown Phantoms with Bobby Mainehart.
1: Yes, he did. And he's so, driven for some stuff for the Monsters, I believe.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, we should we should get him on.
1: Well, I mean, even even what was it uh, two summers ago? No, last two summers. Well, counting this one, so last summer. <clears throat> Bart spent his uh, his summer months in Alaska.
0: Right. He would drive the, the yeah, buses he, from he the... Got,
1: he worked up enough time off that he took, I think, was it two months or so? Maybe two, three months off. And he went to Alaska and lived out of his camper. And he was driving a tour bus for a cruise line people um, through Alaska. And the stories he would tell was, I mean, Bart tells a great story, end of story. I mean, he's just a good person that tells great stories. If we could get him to tell some of those stories and the hockey stories, oh. you know, how, how about that? the wrestling team that goes to Florida and they, they spend yeah. a week in Key West. 10 days. Yeah. 10 days in Key West after a wrestling tournament. Bart's Bart's, he would be a good guest he'd be fun
0: absolutely well maybe maybe we'll talk to management and getting him in there
1: yes speaking of that uh we got another uh I guess complaint about uh story I was telling last week about greasy spoon diners um our buddy Ron uh Ron the jeweler uh, I was told that while the story was funny I guess I'm quoting uh those places are good establishments they're not greasy spoons I'm like Really, <laughs> come on.
0: Man, man, management?
1: Well, it's an outside source, but look, Joe's Deli and Cafe Stratos with extra tzatziki sauce—they're phenomenal. They cook phenomenal. I, Their, the, the food is impeccable. I don't think you've ever said anything wrong about it. No, me neither. But I got a text that said, "Why are you calling them greasy spoons? They're—they're—they're they're, they're good places." I'm like. It's just a it's just a uh, I don't know, it's a saying. It's not real. I mean, everything's clean in these places. The food is excellent, and just cuz Ron the jeweler's running around, him doesn't mean it's a bad spot. I mean, he drinks Sanko. He can't be all that bad, right? <laughs>
0: There's a guy who makes millions of dollars on TV that calls it driver drive or drive-ins, diners and, and dives.
1: dives. Yeah, dives. So
0: like, I mean, well, anyhow, I I, I, didn't, I didn't take that as you you were going against the uh, no, the gre- no. greasy spoons because I'll tell you what, they're pretty good. They're pretty Some good. Some of the
1: best food you can have.
0: Absolutely. Who's
1: back? Our guy, Mr. Internet.
0: Hey, Mr. <laughs> Mister Internet, Internet. There he is. He's
1: Internet back. Internet
0: Dan. We got, we got D-Y-I with Danny, Internet Danny now. Uh, well, hey, Jay, fall weather is here. Temperatures are cooling off. It's been real nice outside. Let's sit down to a nice crackling fire and skim through the digest to see what's making the news in the world of hockey today. There is no better way to get your company's message across to the hockey fans in and around the state of Ohio than advertising on Ohio Hockey Digest and the on-air podcast. You can connect your company or product with customers and support hockey in Ohio at the same time. Contact Scott Harrington today at 216-548-2345 or scott at ohiohockeydigest.com. The Ohio High School Athletic Association's new director, Executive Director Doug Oot said in his first media availability that winter sports are expected to start on time. Oot said on a teleconference, we are at the mercy of the virus. If it doesn't spread and the governor and the Department of Health continue this path here, we're ready to start winter sports.
1: Former Cleveland Lumberjack defenseman Bill Armstrong was named the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes last week. Armstrong, who played two seasons in Cleveland from 1995 to 1997, was Director of Amateur Scouting and Assistant General Manager for the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues in 2019. Armstrong played 107 games for the Lumberjacks, scoring one goal and accumulating 276 penalty minutes.
0: The United States Hockey League announced in August that due to the coronavirus pandemic, they would reduce their regular season schedule from 62 to 54 games and drop the puck on the 2020-21 season on November 6th. Last week, however, two teams, the Cedar Rapid Roughriders and the Madison Capitals, announced they are sitting out the season with plans to return for the 2021 and 2022 season. So it'll be back to the drawing board for the USHL schedule maker. Youngstown Phantoms president Andrew Goldman says, despite the schedule being adjusted, he's playing league games in early November.
3: We had our guys report
0: into town this, this weekend, um, so we are going through some testing procedures and uh, getting the guys acclimated in their billet homes. And, and we're going full bore uh, with the full expectation that we will have a USHL season that begins the first weekend in November. And although there will be restrictions, Goldman said there will be fans in the building. Ownership has been an amazing. And for a long time this summer, we would have been unable to have any fans in the building uh, currently, uh, the legislation that exists would allow us to have 300 fans in the building, uh, which is certainly a, a, an improvement. We'll take it. Um, and obviously we will adjust accordingly as, as the law changes, as we get into the winter.
1: There is finally some actual hockey to talk about as the United States to the Spacemen in Fort Wayne, six to five on Saturday night. By the time we record next week's podcast, there'll be regular season games. In the books.
0: After a year away, the Wooster Oilers are getting ready for their season opener next Saturday against the Lake Erie Bighorns. The Oilers have a dozen Ohio natives on their roster, including four players out of the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League. Goaltenders Luke Bell from Strongsville High School and Rob Holden from Lakewood High School. Defenseman Trevor Stokes from Nordonia High School and Ford Will Holden from Lakewood High School. One other bit of news, Jay, that I, I want to talk about is. The Dallas Stars are up one in the, nothing in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, did you at any point think that this last night was going to be a game? The fact that Tampa Bay hasn't left the bubble in over two months and they had to travel and play within a day? I mean, the NHL no, couldn't they, give they, this. They
1: were they, they were in Edmonton. Both the East and West Conference Finals, finals were in Edmonton. Were in Edmonton. However, I agree with you from this standpoint. Dallas had a couple days off, right? Tampa did not regardless if they had to travel, which they obviously didn't. I thought that Dallas came out looking hot. They they looked a little fresher. Um, I understand it's the Stanley cup finals. You want to bring it. Tampa did look a little bit tired.
0: Yeah, it is what it is. Absolutely, I just found that interesting last night. When I, I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a hell of a series, but I just found that interesting watching it last night. And and thanks for correcting me. I didn't realize that they were in Edmonton already. Yeah. I thought they that they were in the bubble in Toronto still. So thank you for correcting me. I do own my mistakes and my my uh, uh, stupidity here. But still, uh, it, it it made me think during my quarantine that uh, i maybe I'm not losing my mind.
1: No, you're not at all. You're good to go
0: the bus is gassed up we're heading down interstate 71 to columbus ohio time to get on air with the executive director of the columbus ice hockey club a Willie Reed community hero award finalist mr john hafferman the second period of this episode of ohio hockey digest on air podcast is brought to you by the columbus ice hockey club the columbus ice hockey club is one of 39 NHL Hockey Is For Everyone programs and is affiliated with the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. It serves over 3,000 youths per year in learn-to-play hockey, learn-to-skate, and hockey team programs, with more than 65% of the participants being minority and more than 25% female. Our first guest is the executive director of the Columbus Ice Hockey Club, and the Director of Hockey for the City of Columbus Recreation and Parks Department. He has spent over 30 years serving the City of Columbus through the twenty rec centers operated by the city. He co-founded the Columbus Ice Hockey Club in 1999 to grow the game of hockey among the city's diverse population. His program went from helping 10 to 20 kids to now exposing over 5,000 kids per year to skating and hockey. The Columbus Ice Hockey Club is not limited to just on-ice participation. Under his guidance, the club also offers conditioning, academic support, violence prevention, and community service, job creation opportunities, and immersive 2020 finalists for the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award. Please welcome, on air, Mr. John Hafferman. Welcome, John.
3: Uh, thanks for having me.
0: Very impressive uh, resume there, John. And, and uh, first of all, congratulations on your nomination for the Willie O'Ree Award. Uh, after doing a lot of research uh, about your involvement in hockey, very well deserved as well.
3: Yeah, it was uh, quite an honor to be uh, nominated and uh, been friends with Willie O'Ree for about 20-plus years, so uh, it was very exciting uh, to be able to, you know, have this award uh, nomination and see what we could do with it. Right.
0: So, John, how did you get started in hockey? Can you talk to our listeners about your start
3: in the game? Uh, I was born in Canada, Lethbridge, Alberta, so it kind of comes natural up there. By the time I was three, I was skating and buzzing around a backyard rink, and uh, I played most of my hockey in Winnipeg, uh, moved to the States, so about 1960, he moved up to Canada. That's when I was born. We stayed there till 1977, and then my senior year, we moved down to Bay City, Michigan, and I've been in the States ever since.
1: So, John, what was the driving force that made you start the Columbus Ice Hockey Club?
3: Uh, so I was working Columbus Recreation Park since 1984, full-time since 1989. Um, we were running basketball, pretty much all the sports. I was the like, the athletic director for the Barnett Recreation Center. Um, one of the things I like to do is introduce kids to new, uh, new activities, not just roll basketball out and everything. So we actually started a youth golf program. We started a ski club and obviously playing hockey when I was growing up, I wanted to start that. There was a set of street hockey uh, sticks so we started playing floor hockey. And I don't know about jackets jacket team got here. So once the uh, jacket came, somebody actually asked me, well, well, you know, why are you doing this? It's an unfair thing to teach a black kid how to play hockey. And I'm like, well, that just didn't sound, it, did, it didn't sit right with me. Right. No. To me, about providing opportunities. So if we could provide an opportunity, who knows where it'll go. So if somebody tells me I can't do something, that's usually the best way to get me to get motivated. All
0: right. Well, as we mentioned in, in your intro, you were nominated and a finalist for the NHL's Willie O'Reid uh, Community Hero Award. Um, can you tell our listeners that may not know what that award is? Uh, what's the award and how the last few months been for you?
3: Uh, it's been a little bit crazy. So it uh, is uh, named after Willie O'Ree, who was the uh, pioneer or the uh, Jackie Robinson of the NHL, broke the color barrier in 1958. Um, and he started as the ambassador for what used to be the NHL and uh, started programs to diversify hockey back in 1998. And our program started in 99. The gentleman who started it with me, Jeff Christian, um Actually got to meet Willie before I did and was kind of the catalyst for getting this all going. I had a group of kids from uh, Barnett Recreation Center. He had some kids from what used to be the Powell Police Athletic League. And he had three or four kids doing that. And we had on any given night 10 to 10 to 15 kids coming with our group. And so we uh, started this whole little thing, you know, because of the meeting that he had with uh, Willie O'Ree. So it was a, you know, the best way that we knew how to start it. But the Community Hero Award was named for him three years ago. I think as the NHL was kind of figuring out what they needed to do, they uh, started to do some things to help honor Willie. Like, to me, it's really unusual that the Jackie Robinson of the NHL does not get a better kind of a big go. Like, to me, they should be, and never retired. They'd be-
0: yeah, Absolutely. The
3: accolades that he doesn't get
0: yeah there's 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 was i mean it, it's starting to now but there was really no big notoriety for mr O'Ree uh for what he did
3: yeah for about 20 some years it seemed like yeah right when he retired in 1980 you know it took him all the way to 1997 i think before when they actually decided to start that brian mcbride's the one who uh got that whole thing started
1: So how does, and in your conversation with Mr. Conversations with Mr. Ari, what, I guess, what are his feelings about what you've been able to do in Columbus?
3: So he's kind of the one who helped inspire us to do what we do. So when we would bring him in the very first time we brought him in, it was a gentleman from the Blue Jackets, Joel Sigmund, and we took him to some school visits and he came out to see our program. And what he How he talks with the kids and engages the kids, you can tell his enthusiasm. And, you know, most kids know whether you want to be there or not. And he always got their attention. He held their attention. And it was uh, just the way he would do that that kind of inspired us to go, well, this guy really is passionate about this. And it kind of gave, like for me, it was always about providing opportunities. But, you know, and it's the inclusion piece is amazing because when you talk about inclusion, it's making somebody feel like they want to be there, right? Like they want, they're a part of something. You come into some places and they say, oh, this is a, an inclusive place, but nobody makes them feel comfortable. In fact, they make people feel uncomfortable. Right. To me, Willie always put people at ease. He's probably one of the best people I've ever met in my life. And that's, you know, kind of to me, it's it was an easy thing to be able to follow him and help him grow our, our program. And he came into Columbus probably fifteen to twenty times at least over the last twenty years. And it's just always an inspiring thing. I get to take him to the schools, see so him interact every single time he's here, be with the kids. He doesn't really care about the adults <laughs> yeah. as much. as interacting with the kids.
0: Can, hey, can you can you tell us a little bit about the Columbus Ice Hockey Club? The, to the pros program that you guys have
3: it's actually we we call it our elite skater academy it's kind of been every single year we develop something like we take every year and we uh, figure out what worked and what didn't work and then we either keep it or or we add to it or we add something somebody an opportunity to do something what are what is the real reason you're doing it for like is there a way for them to advance there's always got to be a way to get to the next level and there was really no way for an inner-city kid to get to that next level unless there was certain um, things that were provided. So, like if you look at the AAA program just here in Columbus or anywhere, it's so expensive; it's almost impossible. So it's not just how much it costs, but it's the time and effort that you have to put into it. If you, if we're providing transportation for the kids, well, I can't do you know, take three kids that are really, really good, take them off to the AAA and still provide that, bring them transportation, take them when they're going on the weekends and stuff. So it's just such a hard thing to be able to do that. So we found a way to help kind of offset some costs. We scholarship a lot of kids, but what we do with the elite skater academies, we bring in really high level coaches to be able to coach them in kind of like a camp environment over the summertime. We've had quite a few kids now in our program that have gone to AAA. We have one young man, uh, Iodelia Denier, who's now going to be a freshman at Alabama Huntsville. So you look at the numbers, it's kind of, he's the first kid out of, I don't know, thirty-five, forty thousand 40,000 kids who's gone there. So obviously to us, it's not about that. But if you don't provide that opportunity and be able to help him, you know, navigate the, uh, the, the the course that he got, had set, he always wanted to do this. So some of it is it has to be the personal drive that the kid has, but some of it is the opportunities. Like he doesn't get those opportunities without the Columbus Ice Hockey Club helping him out and his family. So it's just one of the things that we could, uh, you know, we're trying to break down barriers of why other kids, inner city kids can't have that same opportunity.
1: That's great. Now it's it's important to identify kids with high ceilings as hockey players but as we know, most kids that are playing hockey aren't going to be able to play at junior or college levels, casing the CIHC members into colleges or careers.
3: So, if right now, what, what the most amazing stat to me is every kid who's come to our program and stayed with it through high school has graduated high school. That's awesome. Quite a lot of these kids have gone on to college. And we've had two. Uh, Third Good Marshall scholarship winners. We've had one of the uh, Columbus um, high school hockey ones. So Akeem Ziji just actually graduated from Allegheny College. He was uh, one of those uh, young men. And to me, it's education is the piece, right? It's kind of like you can give a kid a fish or you can teach a kid to fish, and then one of them helps him for the rest of his life. Right. So for us, it's about how in the world are we going to keep this kid being fed if we just offer them the food and then that's it so for us it's the educational piece um i know i can is actually run through uh columbus city schools and it's about making sure they understand that the onus is on them to do the work but we can provide as much help as they need to be able to uh you know get through the uh, schooling side of it because education is really how they're going to advance and we're not going to get You know, this isn't going to become the hotbed of uh, NHL hockey for us. You know, the idea is to provide opportunities, but then we kind of teach life skills at the same time, and education is such a big piece of it uh, that it's just kind of ingrained. And then our mentoring program kind of falls off of that. So if they're keeping their grades up and they're becoming really good students, we get them into our mentoring program and they get to help the younger kids. And to me, that makes everything full circle. These kids learn how that education's important, then they get to help teach the younger kids and coach the younger kids on ice. And then the younger kids look up to them, they want to come to their games, the kids see them at their games, you know. And We've had our JV team actually make a tunnel for our Mike game that was right before our JVs took the ice. It was probably one of the coolest videos one of our parents took for us. But the, no one had to tell the kids to do that, right? Yeah. They just decided to do the little kids running through there. They thought that was the greatest thing in the world. So it's really kind of like our full circle of how we keep this and that. To me, that's about the inclusion part. When you make it so that people are a part of something, it's really growth.
0: CIHC Creative Learning Experience, correct? Correct. Okay, and and that'll expose your students in high school to various careers. So not only are you t- teaching the education side of it, but now you're even planning ahead of that, you know, for careers, uh, what's, what is that gonna look like?
3: Well, to us, we think it's uh, one-sided if you're just worrying about the hockey side. And really the business side of uh, hockey really needs just as much diversifying as any on ice, uh, you know, players type of stuff. So to me, it's it's being able to provide an opportunity for kids um, just to see what it is like, it, whether it's shadowing somebody, whether it's an internship, um, but somebody in the business world, and we have quite a few of our coaches are um, or even some of our former players are in the business world at Huntington Bank, at Chase, uh, and those kinds of places. So they're already bought into saying, hey, you know, we could help out with an internship. That's probably the hardest thing like especially in the sports industry, there's no uh, paid uh, internships. So how are these kids actually supposed to, you know, we're talking about kids who need to have those jobs and they're not going to get it because they don't have the experience. So what is it we can do? So part of this program is going to be to get sponsorships so that we can pay the kids so that the internship, that whether it's paid or not paid, you know what I mean? Then the kids yeah. can get that experience. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs>
1: So you spoke earlier about the Elite Skater Academy. You also have the Try Hockey
3: for free. Can you tell us about what that entails? So that's really USA Hockey's program, and we've been doing it for whew, probably 10 years now. They do it twice a year. Our next one is going to be in November, the first weekend in November. And it is exposure to kids who've never played hockey. So really, it looks like... Uh, organized chaos out there. We,
1: <laughs> isn't that, done,
3: isn't that all? Kind of navigate and stand up. Then we put a stick in their hands They get a shoot and kind of stick in. And that's one of our biggest uh, uh, mentoring opportunities for our older kids. So we are 14 and older kids. But we kind of uh, mandate that they have to help out with those ones. And so you can create a one-on-one. Because, you know, obviously if you have that many kids on ice that can't stand up or having issues, you can't handle it with one or two coaches. Right. Players come in and absolutely love the opportunity. And then we get buy-in from the City Recreation Center. So they'll bring, you know, 10 to 15 kids in the city van, and we'll have, I don't know, seven, eight centers that are represented. So there's 60, 70, sometimes, like, the most we've ever had was 127 kids. Wow. So that, that was that was chaos. But I, it was so amazing how every all the all the guys who are mentoring the guys and girls both of our girls and boys teams do it as well and be a brand new club. so they do that twice a year we have a transition program which is our learn to escape program uh the chillers all also offer that so it's kind of like uh collaborating with everybody in the city to try to create more opportunities for grassroots hockey
0: sure we we definitely know that one of the biggest deterrents of our sport is how expensive it is. Um, how do you manage to keep all these programs going? And, and is it, can you talk to us about your strong part, uh, partnership with, I don't know, the Blue Jackets or anyone else?
3: So to me, it, it has to be collaboration. And we actually have interaction with the Cajas, the CCYJs, Newark and Athens, all the uh, organizations in town Kind of help out in some way or another. Some of them are, uh, are donating equipment for us. Some of them donate volunteers. Um, there's also the Central Ohio girls hockey that started just in the last couple of years. So it's the hardest thing to do um, is actually getting kids to the ice rink. And with uh, the COVID situation this year, it, it shut down our summer program. So where we would normally have 4,500 kids in the summer, we are probably have less than 100 kids this summer just because you yeah. have no way to transport them. But so Columbus Recreation and Parks really helps out. Um, Each one of the recreation centers, all 28 centers have their own center manager. So it's kind of up to each of them whether they wanna participate, but we have a pretty strong support group and they see the good that happens when a kid gets involved in the program, that there's some accountability if they are acting right, if their school, their grades are okay, then they can continue in the program. We take a trip every year up to Detroit. There's a place up there called Clark Park. It was a, a Hispanic run uh, inner city hockey program out there. It's an outdoor rink. Uh, the kids have an, an absolute blast. So it's the collaborative effort of everyone around. That's teams and new 16 coaches or players come down and help skills coach uh, some of our practices.
1: So John, what's coming up for you, John Hafferman, in the future? as well as what's on the horizon for CIHC?
3: So obviously this season can be a real challenge with everything. Um, For me, I'm not planning on going anywhere. It's, uh, there's still so much work that we need to do. Uh, I did just turn 60, so I know I'm not gonna be here forever. I think one of the things on the horizon for us is to try to make sure we have a succession plan. So, and I know you had Mike Watson on here before. So he's as our president, the two of us have been talking about how the how, how do we continue this program uh, when the two of us step away. So that's probably the biggest thing that's on our horizon for right now. Immediately, it's uh, to try to figure out how we're going to, you know, run this next season as safely as possible and uh, still be able to offer opportunities for kids to learn how to play hockey.
1: Well, with all the uh, accolades that came with the uh, Willie O'Ree award. Um, have you had a chance to decompress from all your newfound notoriety?
3: So to me, what was the most amazing was uh, we got quite a few testimonials from kids in the form of videos. I would have never found out about some of these kids. Like when the kid's in your program, they're in your program. And then all of a sudden they leave and they're off and doing their own thing and you never see them again. Uh, We've been doing this for 22 years. So I now have kids bringing me their kids, so we do occasionally see them. But some of the uh, testimonials were like it got real dusty in uh, in our house when I was looking at some of them. So uh, it's just amazing to hear those things about how you impact somebody's life. You always assume that you do, but you don't always get to hear about it. And, and uh, so, to me, that was that was probably a greater thing for me to see than even if I had won the award. So. Right. Really, Willie called me the night that they announced it. I told him, I said, you know, Willie, I'd much rather have your friendship be able to call you whenever I can than to have a, a little trophy sitting somewhere with my name on it. So to me, it was the, probably the best thing about becoming a finalist was how many kids were giving testimonials and wanted uh, wanted me to win. So that was pretty cool. That's cool.
0: Well, that that's cool. Well, John, we, we can't thank you enough for, from spending your time away from window installing. Uh, to, to, to join us here. Um, once again, uh, from Digest, uh, we congratulate you not only on the nomination for the Willie O'Rear Award, but for all that you've done for all those kids over the years uh, in, in, in Columbus and, and elsewhere. So we thank you for that. And hopefully, uh, people can take that inspiration and jump on that train that, that you've got moving and do the same thing as well. So again, congratulations uh, on the nomination, and but most importantly, congratulations on, on the work that you've done for all
3: those kids. Well, Tim and Jason, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was actually a, a pleasure and I was glad to do it. And uh, we'll just keep that train running see what we can do.
0: Sounds good. All right, John, take care. Thanks again. See you, gentlemen. Back home to Cleveland, pulling into Rocky River, Ohio, and our next guests. From Ohio State University, Freddie Girard. And from Minnesota State, Mankato, Charlie Girard. Our next guests are a brother tandem from Rocky River, Ohio. They both started in the Cleveland Barons organization before embarking on their junior careers. Freddie started his junior career with the Boston Junior Bandits and the Eastern Buckeyes. He was a four-time Ohio State scholar athlete and a three-time All-Big Ten academic member. He signed a pro contract with the Idaho Steelheads at the conclusion of his college campaign. He is one half of the Boom Boom Tuck clothing line. Charlie went on from the Cleveland Barons to the Ohio Blue Jackets before heading to the Madison Capitals of the USHL. He spent time with the Madison Capitals, Fargo Force, and the Muskingon Lumberjacks in the USHL. He then went on to a four-year career at Minnesota State Mankato of the WCHA. He was a four-year letterman with the Mavericks 2020 WCHA All-Academic winner and 2019 Minnesota State Mankato Most Improved Player. He recently signed with the Colorado Eagles of the American Hockey League. He is the other half of the Boom Boom Tuck clothing line. Let's please welcome to on-air Freddie and Charlie Gerrard. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for having us on.
2: Yeah, appreciate it, guys.
0: I, uh, I was doing, as we were doing some re research school age and a little bit younger i think mm-hmm. i could rock the boom boom talk what do you think love yeah oh for sure i think you could
1: <laughs> <laughs> freddie's just selling bro yeah,
4: yeah. No, selling. I'm, I'm serious but i think we got to get you some Oh, all right. for sure well, Listen, I think we might have to send something your way i i, I definitely i'm definitely in for that hey for sure. and let's
1: put it this way I, I know you guys skate at winterhurst on uh some days during the week if there just happens to be anything size large left in that locker room where you guys okay. dress all
4: right I think, yeah, there might. So I think we we carry stuff everywhere we go. So you never know something might disappear uh, if, there. If
1: something just ends up maybe in that okay. back room near the back door, <laughs> and, gotcha. and and even hey, even if there's a, uh, a a bill, it's okay.
0: Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're here yeah. to support. We're
1: here to support. Okay.
0: Hey, I'm I'm about it. That sounds like a good plan. Hey, so uh, Freddie, we'll start with you, and then Charlie, you're gonna you can answer the same question as well. Uh, but okay. talk to us about how you guys both started uh, in hockey. Like how did, how did it all start for both of you guys? Freddie, we'll, we'll start with you.
4: Yeah. Well, um, I think I was the first one again, or just cause I was the older brother. Um, I remember going to preschool, uh, Halloween preschool. And my best friend was dressed as a hockey player and I'm like, what are you, man? And he's like, I'm a hockey player. So I went home and told my mom, I wanted to play hockey. And, um, from then on, it's just, you know, the rest is just kind of what it was. And um, my dad played a little bit uh through high school too, but he wasn't uh, ever, you know, too big time with it. Um And, it, yeah, it just kind of happened, and uh, we both fell in love with it right away. And I think we both had just like some natural skating that just came easy to us. And from there, it was just kind of, you know, we just kind of ran with it. Charlie, what about you?
2: Yeah, I think uh, for me it was just uh, I wanted to hang out with my older brother, you know, and he played hockey and all of his buddies played hockey. So I was at the time I was hanging out with Freddie and all of his buddies, and I laced up the skates. and It's actually a funny story. We started skating at uh, Rocky River, and uh, they had Friday night skates going on. And this is when we're like pretty young. And my job, we played tag, so my job was I was always I was I was always it. Like I had to tag Freddie and all of his older buddies. And that's how they say I got my speed and all that. So, you I think just far, Yeah, growing up with these guys and uh, they hooked me onto the game. So,
0: you know, Friday night skate, man. Nothing oh, ever yeah. came, <laughs> n- nothing good ever came out of the Friday night skate, man. I guess yeah, right? no.
1: no, but nothing Nothing was better than Friday night oh, skate right, either. Right, right, mm-hmm. right.
0: I'll tell you what, though, <laughs> I, and I, I, I felt bad. I, I mean, I don't want to say this, but. So I grew up in Lakewood, and my Friday night skate was Winterhurst, right? Double oh, rinks, yeah. right? Double Oh yeah, well that's nice. Big that's seat. different. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a special that's a special Friday night skate there. I'd go to River, I'd go to Brooklyn or North Thompson, I'd Be like, this sucks.
1: Yeah,
4: it's it, terrible, it, man. <laughs> it, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that is that is one of a kind there, Winterhurst. Yeah. Hey, sure. hey,
1: you knew it was bad when when your parents would drop you off before you could ever drive or anything like that, and and they'd say, whatever you do at Winterhurst don't go to this part of the rink near the locker rooms because the lights were never on. And that's where the older kids Uh were doing. God knows what in the darkness. (laughs) Uh. Hey, so you guys both played uh, to the organization uh, coming up and who are some of the guys that you played with either at the Barons or anywhere? And who were some of the coaches that had a great impact on, on both your careers on the ice so far and off the ice.
4: Um, I'd say for me growing up through the Barons, uh, I don't even remember, uh, Tim Alexander, Uh he was, um, a big time, uh, influence for me. I remember going up through the U16 level. Uh, I kind of started to struggle a little bit because I was a little undersized. Um, and, uh, he, took uh, over the U18 year kind of you know just recently that year and he kind of took me under his wing and you know made me sure uh, that I knew that I was you know going to be a player for on his team and that uh, I was going to be a big part of it and we did a lot of uh, you know kind of skills training and stuff uh, before and after practice and stuff and he really kind of helped me elevate my game from you know 16, 17, 18 year old when I you know started to kind of go through these growth changes and he really kind of you know enforced uh, you know a good training uh style in it and um he really helped me for sure so he's definitely one of them one of my coaches
1: charlie how about you uh for me
2: i'd have to say uh josh harold he was my uh u16 uh coach of the barons for one season and then uh i got to u18 level and i got to play a year at freddie which was great and tim alexander yeah. was the head coach there and then that following year he actually uh, he cut me from the team, the U18 team. That's why I went over to the uh, Blue Jackets. But uh, he, I remember he sat me down and talked to me about it. And he said, this is going to be the, I know it's hard for you to understand right now, but it's going to be the best thing for you, like for him to cut me. And I I never understood that. I was like, why? Whatever. And now looking back on it, it ended up being one of the best things for me. And I don't think I would be where I'm at today with uh, Tim Alexander making that decision. And Make, move me down to Columbus. So yeah, probably Josh Hilde and Tim Alexander for me.
0: So, so Charlie, you, you, you spoke about how uh, you left the Barons organization, not, not by your own will. Um, yeah. And, and you ended up in uh, Columbus. Can, can you talk a little bit? Cause a lot of our players uh, that are thinking about, you know, playing that U18 or U16 and, and we have the Barons and the Blue Jackets. Can you talk yeah. to us a little bit about the difference in, in those two organizations?
2: Yeah, you know what? At the time, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, it's definitely making that hard transition, moving away from friends and family. Right. Um, and I didn't – at the time, I didn't want to. I almost went to go play Rock River High School, too. So I was kind of in the middle of that, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And that egg, egg Ganger found out I got cut from the team and kind of explained to me, just come down and try out, and it worked in my favor. But I think they're just – they're different. It's weird. I mean, it's only two hours away, but <clears> – <throat> I mean, I played for the Cleveland Barons, I want to say, eight, nine years. And uh, it was a great place to play and grow up as. And um, got nothing but good things to say about that. And the same thing with Columbus. I was only there for two short years. But, yeah, there's just kind of great organizations, great A teams. And um, I'm happy I got to play for both of them.
1: So you both reunite in Madison for the, with the Capitals in 2014-2015 season. How was the experience playing at such a high-level junior hockey for each of you and how was it playing that year out together
0: yeah that but let was, me that let was me a ask you year for sure Freddie, real quick before you answer that did you guys live together yeah. in the same house out there yeah okay yeah, we did All right, yeah cuz i'm going to i'm going to ask a question about that in a minute yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> for
2: sure for
0: sure yeah 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 no i mean that's good stuff
4: um but yeah that was definitely a special year for us um because like you said I had uh you know played two years out in Boston in the EHL which is you know a solid league but you know it's not quite USHL caliber and uh that was my age out year so it was kind of like you know I was thinking you know I had some D3 offers and I was you know which is good I was considering taking one of those but you know I wanted to play D1 hockey and I was like finished up playing his second year in Col- uh, in Columbus and had a good couple years and he had tendered with the capitals So that was kind of like my foot in the door. My agent, uh, which you know is my agent still today, he kept calling them and try just trying to get me in a tryout. And they're for at first they're like, no. They're like, no, you're too old. Like we don't need 20 year olds. <laughs> you know, we're trying to you know, whatever. Um, so I'm like, come on, please. So like finally after we kept bugging them, they're like, you know, all right, fine, come to this tryout, whatever. And then uh, you know, luckily I ended up putting on a um you know putting up a pretty good camp and uh they ended up bringing me on but uh like you said i think you know just going through that whole experience with uh you know with chuck and the whole trial process and then you know getting to uh play at that high level man it was it was really really fun um just the in your lifestyle just every day or you have nothing to do but you know just focus on hockey and you know enjoy yourselves and yeah sure.
2: i mean going off that yeah I mean, I I look back on it. I think it's one of the best uh, years uh, of my life playing hockey. It was it was yeah. unbelievable. I mean, a lot of fun. going to that camp, uh, going to that camp. I was a, I tendered there, so um, I don't want to say I was a big deal or anything, but I kind of was at the time. And so I came in with my older brother, and I remember this the first game. They're like, oh, "You guys brothers?" Like and we had all these tattoos, and we're sitting in the locker room, and we got these big beards, like. And we're kind of, I aged out of AAA too. So, like, we're kind of older guys. I was, I think, what, were you 20? Were you 20? Yeah.
4: yeah. I was, yeah, I was like an early
2: old 20s. Yeah. So, we're kind, of, older, old kind of you of know. League. Yeah. We're not like 16, <laughs> 17 year old, like, yeah. USHL guys coming in that are like drafting all this stuff. So, it was, so these guys were kind of like afraid of us. We had these big tattoos and these big beards. And the first game, uh, me and Freddie were on the same line. And I had a hat trick in the first shift. Freddie had I'm taking yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: way!
2: And uh, yeah. thank God he, he made the team. And he was actually uh, at the time they gave him the assistant cap too, right off the right off the bat. So that was pretty cool too. All right. That's really first, cool. first
0: shift of camp. Yeah,
4: it was trick. weird. Yeah, it yeah, well, uh, yeah. It was a little weird. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, it was sweet.
1: It was, that's good. I'll remember
2: that forever. But, yeah. yeah,
4: it was fun. <laughs>
1: Freddie, what was the jump like going from the Eastern Hockey League to the USHL?
4: Um, it wasn't as tough as I was expecting, honestly. Um, but I do think that I was, you know, me being older, you know, played a factor in that. Um, but I mean, yeah, uh, the the just the all around caliber plays probably a little bit higher, though, for sure. Um, and the, just probably the, the the pace of the game. I uh, just, you know, I. I remember my first couple of USHL games just realizing like everyone's on where an EHL, you know, you really only competing against maybe, you know, one or two lines, you know, and then the rest of the team's kind of maybe a little more watered down. But um, yeah, I think that was, uh, you know, a very good step for me because, you know, I don't think I'm playing D1 hockey without, you know, making that jump and, you know, getting that experience, um, you know. So, yeah.
1: Silly, so, so, what was the question you were going to ask
0: about? Oh, so yeah, ability. So yeah. you guys live together yeah. up there, right? Okay, yeah. So, Freddie, you were 20. Yep. Chuck, Chuck you were, uh, how old then? 17, was,
2: 18. Yeah, I think it was 18. I think yeah. I turned 18 that year.
0: Okay. November. So, so you, you, Freddie, you, so Charlie or Chuck, you're, you're tendered. Freddie, you make the team. Now, you, you guys are living in the same house together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. How'd that go? Yeah, I mean, man,
4: it was, it was
1: pretty great. <laughs> what did I that mean, family think <laughs> when you both rolled in there with the beards and the <laughs> tattoos? Because
4: yeah. you're, not, you're not
1: 16, 17-year-old no. up comers yeah. You're established junior players. But please
0: mm-hmm. please tell me the family did not have little kids that you walked into like, no, hey, what's they, up, they, guys? <laughs> they, they did actually did a good,
4: really good job of uh, finding us. Um, we got real lucky with our billet. Um, she was a single mother. Um, she had three kids of her own, and they were all in college already so they'd just kind of been out of the house and um but just recently you know so like she like just kind of finished you know watching them grow up and like while they were off at school like we just kind of filled in their room in the basement in their beds and we actually had another roommate um, from ukraine nonetheless uh he's a young kid 15 year old uh eugene fadayev um so yeah, we had a little bit of a weird crew in that house, but, um, you know, I think she loved it. Um, she, she was great. Um, you know, I think she just kind of, you know, w- didn't want the house to be, you know, empty, you know, just yet. So, um, she, I think she just wanted to have some company around and she was a fan of, uh, hockey growing up in Wisconsin. And, um, she went to the Wisconsin and watched the Badgers and all that stuff. So she's a big time uh, hockey hockey fan, and she was real great with us for sure. Uh, we tried to be on our best behavior. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah so for the, for the most part it was pretty good um i was kind of just i was kind of the dad of the two kids here charlie and eugene they were i did yeah. eugene's still in high school <laughs> i had to drive him to, to school and pick him up every day and i'm like how the hell i get roped into this
2: you yeah know, like, dude and i didn't i didn't even have my license at the time
4: yeah so i'm driving
2: I got around my license when i was like 19 i waited
0: joke drive you around yeah, yeah, I was had your brother drive That's yeah, was what what it was. going to
2: play, going to play with my big brother I, I didn't need a wallet
1: I didn't need a car.
2: Like you just had to play
0: you know,
1: the like,
2: game. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's, so, funny. So that's funny. So how did how, how did 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 uh, Eugene did he end up? taken like is he all tatted up now like you guys no, now no no like, but did you have a good influence on him like that I mean that's a good in- I'm not gonna lie to
4: you I like <laughs> yeah. it <laughs> yeah no I mean Eugene's a funny character man he actually ended up co- coming to Ohio State with me which is weird like we didn't plan that either it just like kind of happened like he just got recruited and stuff so, like I'm like okay Eugene's coming um but now uh, he's a really good kid um you know I definitely he even says today um you know, having me and Chuck just to kind of show him just the way, you know, I think he looked up to us a lot, you know, and especially being from out of the country, you yeah, know, right. he, that was, you know, that's, he's needs a lot of, you know, a lot of help, a lot of guidance and, you know, just to yeah. kind of have, you know, us kind of showing him, you know, kind of how things are and, you know, show him that he's not alone. You know, he's got some friends here that'll help him out. You know, I think he's, you know, he's pretty
0: appreciated that. And we Chuck, still you, talk to him a lot today. Chuck, Even
1: Chuck, you, you, sorry, go ahead. I was
0: going to say leaving your house at 15 to go yeah. play somewhere three and a half hours away it's hard it's enough. a hell of a lot different yeah. than leaving your house right. at 15 going to a different country country yeah and like did he, did he was kind of
4: English yeah he actually did he sp- he spoke pretty decent English uh, he played a couple years like in the States before ending up a Mattis guy that brings some a bunch of them over um but yeah, so but yeah, I mean he definitely had some some broken English for sure. I remember uh, he asked me to help him with his homework once. Um it was some an English, you know, thing, writing thing. And I like he's like, I hey, need you need help grammar. And I'm like, okay, I'm reading this thing. And it was just so bad. Like and an
2: eight-year-old wrote it? Yeah, <laughs>
4: man. Like yeah. he didn't use like the a and like it was just like dog left house, like, <laughs>
2: like oh, man.
1: that sounds like Eugene right there. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> That's but cool. it is funny. He's a good kid.
1: So, Charlie, did, did, did what is Freddie's biggest dad moment in, that's in, in the time in Madison? What was the time you like, you're, you're, such, you're being such a dad.
2: Oh, uh, dude. I mean, I, there's a, I could probably tell you 15 stories. But <laughs> I, I think mostly just him yelling at me about not having my own wallet. I don't know why I didn't have a wallet. I was like, oh, my, mom pays for your grocery like that. So, I this one time I went to go get lunch. And I'm going in there to get it. He's like, Yeah, I get it. I'm like, All right, I need your wallet. He just stared at me. Like, you better figure it out soon. He just gave me his wallet. And <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, I just like giving him a hard time. I knew
0: he didn't have a wallet. I just.
2: I got a wallet, though, after he uh, went to college and got my life. There you go.
0: There you go. Speaking, became speaking, a man. Of, speaking of college. um, Talk to us both, both you guys, how, how the recruiting process for you guys coming out of college. Um, and then, you know, we've had a lot of guys on here that uh, have played at the Division One or Division Three level, and they've talked to us about why they chose the schools that they chose. Um, so talk to us about the process and why did you settle uh, at Ohio State and, and at uh, Mankato?
4: Okay. You want to go, Fred? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, for me, um, like you said, uh, like I said, I would f- finished up a couple years up going to ushl and i remember playing i think it was just the first two games the fall classic and i had like five or six schools talk to me and that was the first time anyone's talked to me and i'm so ecstatic just like sitting so overwhelmed just like wow like these teams are kind of interested um but then yeah i think maybe about 12 or so games in um, Ohio State contacted me and they were interested right away. And I think that's something that, like, they, they were like pushing on me. Like, they wanted me to come in at Christmas. Um, like, so they wanted me to come in early. And I think that's something that, like, you know, influenced me to want to go because they, um, you know, were seemed like they really wanted me and uh fortunately i didn't go in because i thought i needed you know i just jumped up to ushl i'd only played like what i said 12 games and they already want me to come in at christmas so i'm like i need to, more time to develop let me get a full year you know at this level before i can do that um but yeah then and then just you know the thought of being, you know, I'm, like, I'm going to be close to home. Ohio State, it's pretty, it's pretty fun place from what I've heard. I'm like, I think I could go to school there. You know, I, I never thought about, you know, going to school there growing up either. I was never like, you know, I want to go Ohio State or I did never really crossed my mind. I just assumed that, you know, I'm going to go to school, like, you know, like M- M- Mankato or wherever, you know, like I, so whoever recruited me, you know, and it just so happened that, you know, People down the road, you know, took a liking. So I mean, I ended up enjoying my time there. I thought it was great. um But for a minute, I, I was trying to get to Mankato. I'm not gonna lie. I wanted to go there, and they they didn't want it. They didn't
1: want it.
4: <laughs> they didn't want it. <laughs> they didn't
1: want it. Well,
4: they, they had they had their guys. I guess they said that they uh were they had already had all the like their commits for that time, and that they wanted to honor those commitments. Um, and which is you know understandable, and that's you know one of the reasons why I was so interested in, he's a very, you know, established coach. And um, so, yeah.
1: Charlie, how about you? Uh,
2: for me, it was a, I had a little different situation. I, admitted, uh, I committed my uh, senior year in high school. So even before juniors and um, uh, Todd cannot, the assistant coach at Mankato came to a showcase in Chicago and he talked to me a little bit there and wanted me to come on a visit. And, I was talking to a few other schools before that, uh, before he came up to talk to me and went on a few visits and um, I just went on a visit to Mankato and I I fell in love with it, the culture. And I think the main, the main reason I wanted to go there was um, the guys on the visit were just unbelievable guys. They were so nice and they took me out and um, Mankato is such a small knit community and they love their hockey down there. And I never, I've never been a part of something like it. And, I fell in love as soon as I got there, and yeah, it was weird playing. Um, I, it was like a weird feeling because I was already committed, and but it, it worked out because I talked to Mike Hastings and the whole coaching staff. Like after every game in junior for the past two years, so I think creating that uh, relationship with the the coaches for yeah, two, basically three years before I got to school was huge because you you felt like you already knew
1: them, you know. And um, did it did it make it? I guess did it make it seem like there was less pressure on you? You could just relax and play. Um. Yeah. And no. I mean. I mean. Not. Not yeah. to say. Not to say that you were like, oh, I got this. I don't need yeah, to yeah, work. Yeah. I don't mean it like that. But yeah. You know, we've talked to people that are going to that were when they were going through the recruiting process felt like they maybe sometimes they were squeezing the stick a little too yeah. tight because yeah, for sure I, I got to get I I got to get them to like me and then mm-hmm. uh, you're already committed before you even get there yeah and yeah, I, Yeah I I get what you're saying yeah I think I think so at times
2: like um, if I'd have a bad game I was kind of worried about my coach in junior and the college coach too so there were certain times I had maybe a little more pressure than other guys but then thinking back on it like all you want as a junior kid you want that D1 commitment you know like that's what you're working for so uh, yeah it was definitely nice having that in my pocket at the time and yeah, I agree with I that. I think
4: it gave you a safety net a little bit to kind of yeah, just let sure. you focus on your game and to just kind of, like you said, you know, I I know where I'm going. Uh, you know, that's um, I can kind of just focus on becoming the best player and you know preparing for that next level.
2: Yeah, right. for
1: sure. So we've had recruiters for Division One, for Division Three, for the NHL mm-hmm. on, and we've asked them, what do you look for when you're watching? players and they, they've given us our their list of what they when they go to the rank, they watch a whole myriad of a myriad of things however the hell you say it what can you tell our young listeners about the recruiting process like what are things that you know now about how to show yourself in the best light to help get yourself recruited mm-hmm.
4: yeah um i just say it's it's so tough it's just find a way to get noticed out there i mean if it's um, you know, if you're, if it's your speed, if you can got some wheels on you, you know, try and do that, you know, always move those feet, always, you know, on, be on the forecheck. If not, if you're good at making plays, you got good vision, you know, make sure you're finding the right, the right play, you know, most of the time and, and making those uh, smart decisions. And, um, you know, I'd say just try and play to your strength mostly, you know, don't try and be a player that you're not. Um,
0: how much, how much of it, did, this goes to both you guys how much of it is self promotion like you have to promote yourself as well yeah yeah i mean, mean like we we spoke away. we we spoke to a couple uh guys uh, two weeks ago or whatever that said that um you know as much as you have to play hard and get noticed through mm-hmm. your play but you also have to promote yourself to yeah.
2: these
4: schools as well yeah for sure yeah i remember so uh you know sending out emails all the time and you know trying to just you know have anyone you can, even if they you know they're all anyone who goes and watches anyone or whatever they have their lists or whatever and if you know just if they remember seeing your name or your number or right. somewhere you know it can't it, you know it can't hurt at all so i remember yeah doing all those little things like that um and i remember we had uh, at that time you know an advisor who would help us out and um would kind of do some shopping for us too
0: that helped out i i think i think it's important and then charlie i want you to uh weigh in on this as well but i think it's important what you said earlier freddie about you know you wanted to go to man uh you wanted to go to mankato but they already had theirs. Yeah, and 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 you know what? And that's gonna happen. Yeah, and I you
4: know, had to get in touch because I said I'm like I want to come here. Chuck's going here. Like, what can we do? And they're like, look, we like it. You know, like we we think you'd fit in great here too. You know, like we love your family. We like we think you're a pretty good player. But we just that's where we're where our hands are tied. You know, I I I've, you know we'd like to say we have a spot for you, but we don't. You know, if you want to wait for someone maybe to sign, you know, and there'd be a spot open next year, we'd love to have you. But you know, as right now we can't. Uh, know, I think I what never, what's
0: important there also is is that players will who go through this process will be told no numerous times. Oh, and yeah. that's o- and that's okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's yeah, that's what you I'm know? saying.
4: Yeah. I mean, like I, you're saying, you know, uh, playing out in Boston a couple of years, you know, I wanted to go D one, you know, that was the struggle and that's it's the thing out there. It's a little playing in the EHL, it's a little tougher. Um, you know, it's more um so that's what I was saying. Um, you know, just kind of having those D three
0: offers or whatever. It just, um, so Charlie, what about, what about you? Like what, what can you, you know, speak about that?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I, I totally agree with you. I think you gotta use uh, your abilities and your surroundings to help you out. Like for an example, when I was in Columbus and I I wasn't committed at the time I went to Ed Ginger was my triple A coach, great coach and great guy. And I went into his, uh, I talk to him almost every day after practice. Hey, coach, what's going on? Are, are there schools talking to talking about me? Like, can you fill me in on even junior teams at the time? If you're that age, go in and talk to your coach and figure all that out. Because if you're not going to do, I want it shows the coach that you want to move on and move on to the next level. Right. And two, you got to educate yourself and maybe take it in your own hands if nobody's looking at you. And, and if they are, that's great too. And if they're not, then th- that makes you work even harder in practice. Focus on a few little things and. Yeah, I think just reaching out and opening your mouth and talking to your sources can help uh, tremendously.
1: You guys talked about when when Eugene came over from the Ukraine and, and how you, you helped him integrate, one, to the United States and, two, to the, the junior level. How much of the recruiting process is just flat out being a good teammate, being a good person?
4: Oh, for sure. That it, I think that goes, you know, as far as any because, you know, that's um, – Cause that's the stuff, you know, the co- that coaches want to know, they don't see all the stuff behind the scenes necessarily. So, um, I've had, I remember, uh, you know, had numerous times where coaches ask me about a player or someone, and, you know, I got to give my honest feedback and, you know, if you're, he's, um, you know, so if I think, you know, we've all seen, you know, we've all been around, you know, a not so great teammate or, you know, and been around great teammates and you can, you can tell the difference and, um, So, yeah, I think if anyone who's serious about moving on, you know, and, you know, serious about, you know, hockey and the, you know, the team aspect of it, you're trying your best to be the best teammate you can. And, um, yeah, that's definitely a huge factor in it.
2: Yeah, that's a great question because in Mankato, when guys come on uh, their visits, we usually hang out and take them to dinner or something, hang out with them for two, three hours after practice. And the next day – Coach Hastings or Todd Knott would come in the locker room, and the first question they would ask is, "Is he a good guy? Like, how is he? On, like, how is he? You guys yeah. like?" And that's that's the key on for at least Mankato, and I'm sure it is all around the country for different schools, and uh, I think that's a big factor. So,
3: hey,
0: can you talk to us? I mean, because obviously, but the other side of that is the academic. Yeah. So, how challenging is it to balance hockey and academics as an NCAA Division One player?
4: I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's that. It's um, it's um, it's definitely puts you to a test. Um, at that age, um, it's it's a full time job. You know, they say it, it's no joke. Um, like for me, we were up you know, on the ice at nine and then you're out of the rink by one and you got class the whole rest of the day. Um, and if you're not, you know, taking care of your, uh, your studies, you know, then that, um, you're not going to play. And, um, well, for me, uh, you know, being Ohio state, uh, they're, they're very resourceful and they did a very good job of, uh, you know, make, of making sure we had all the right help and, um, the necessary resources to be successful. Um, but, yeah, um, I think, you know, they stress that absolutely because, you know, that's also that's going to be what sets you up for the rest of your life. You know, for yeah. you know, you're a hockey player at heart and, you know, you want to play for as long and, as you can. But um, at the end of the day, you, you know, you're going to do something more with your life and, you know, college <laughs> is a great place to, you know, figure out what that is and what your interests are. And it's going to set you up, uh, you know, for the most success after.
2: Yeah. Going off that um, at Mankato, you weren't allowed to play unless you had your GPA was above a 2.5. So that was big. So I, for me, I went to tutors. I mean, I'm not the biggest school guy and anybody that knows me, they know that. And um, I went to tutor twice a week at school and helped me tremendously. And we had study halls after practice and all that. So that was good. And even before, uh, I committed. What is it? The ACT is that what it's called? You got to take yeah. that. Yeah. I think yeah. to play Division One hockey, you either need a seventeen or a nineteen. I can't remember what it was, but I took the ACT three times. I couldn't get it. Yeah, it's hard, <laughs> man. And even <laughs> high school, I wasn't the biggest school guy, like I said. And I mean, if I can go back and tell kids listening today, just focus on school because if you want to play Division One hockey, you got to be able to get into school first. Right. So. Right.
1: And you guys are both in your in your WCHA Big Ten academic All American members, and that's fantastic. Yeah, so that's congratulations! Saying, get, that's that's huge. Yeah, I I mean, let, take it. take the hockey yeah, stuff out of it, it, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The academic stuff is is in all honesty, it's probably harder. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah thank it's
1: you.
4: Hard, that's it awesome. You know, and awesome. I, yeah, like you said, I think you know we're both pretty proud of the that you know because not only are we playing hockey with uh, you know we're uh you know. It's it's exciting and you know knowing that we're uh, going for a greater cause here too. So it's been cool.
1: That's cool, Freddie. Tell us about your introduction to pro hockey. You played with four different teams in the oh, East Coast yeah. League, including Toledo and Cincinnati.
4: Uh-huh. And
1: what are your plans for the upcoming season?
4: Okay, yeah, that, hey, man, I, man, I,
1: hey, hey, it's a business. I'm not. <laughs> yeah.
4: Doing oh yeah. I, I get. And it. I, yeah, and yeah. I found that out uh, for sure. Um, My intro earlier, I I was uh, signed by Idaho, Idaho Steelheads. Went out there. That's a great spot to play. I loved it out there. It was beautiful. Um, I had never, you know, kind of been in an area of the country like that. So um, it, that was a cool experience in itself. But then the city of Boise was awesome. Um, it was super pretty, super clean, and the Steelheads are like there. Though that's like the thing for that for that little city. You know, they pack house every night, and they uh, they had a really good uh, you know organization and a program there. The, their team was real solid um and you know they were saying selling me all the right things you know they're saying uh, uh that they're you know that they liked the player i was they did all their homework on me uh, i was actually the, you know the first rookie they'd signed uh you know over that summer so you know it seemed like they were all excited about me and uh went in there had a, a decent couple preseason games you know nothing great but you know i didn't do anything bad um uh, but then the first, I think, remember like four or five, six games I'm not playing. And so I'm getting a little worried, but the coaches and mean, at this time, you know, they, they're coaching staff. They're great. Um, you know, they're great, great coaches and great people. Like they were talking to me this whole time and they're like, Hey man, look like stay positive. You're working hard. You're doing great. Like, you know, we just have a deep team, deep lineup right now. Like your chance is coming. And then I remember I forgot my first game, like I said, maybe like about seven or eight. In, in, in um i was the 10th forward got about like four shifts so you know that goes sometimes uh we were down early and we kind of had to make a comeback so you know he's just rolling his nine um and he got scratched the next day and he had even told me he he wanted to make sure he grabbed me he was like hey I just wanted like you know to grab you and you know i know you didn't play much last night i apologize for that like I, you know and i don't want you to think you're coming out because of you know you played bad it's just you know i'm not we got to get a win tonight or whatever. And uh, then I didn't play for another like seven, eight games. And then a couple guys get sent down from Texas and then there's no more room for Fred. So they had to release me. Um, uh, and then from there, uh, I, got, I was fortunate enough to, uh, I got picked up. That's when I got picked up by Toledo. Uh they released a guy to pick me up um and then i then I s you know started to play a little more regularly. I'm playing you know like one one game scratch, you know two games scratch. I think I ended up playing six games over the course of you know like maybe ten or eleven out there. Now I'm starting to find my way a little bit, getting a few points, kind of getting a feel for the league. Um, But then two days before the Christmas break, I get dished out of nowhere, out to Adirondack, and I'm thinking, okay, like, you know, now I'm I'm gonna be able to play. That's kind of what my agent's telling me. It's like, "This is a team that you know you can really find your footing in. They're excited to have you." then same thing I go play two games I play okay like get some chances a couple shots and then I don't play again for like 10 games and I'm just like well at this point I'm freaking out I'm like talking to my agent I'm like what's going on like I thought they wanted me you know why would they even trade for me if they don't want me like And so I even went and he's like, you're right. Like, I don't know, dude, like, this is ridiculous. So I finally had to go in and tell the guy and be like, look, I I can't just not play. Like you gotta, if you're not going to play me, you gotta get rid of me. So then they went, sent me to Cincy and uh, kind of same deal there. I love Cincy too. That was a great spot. Uh, they have a great coach and a great uh, staff there, and their culture is good there too. They're they're a really solid team. Um, and again, you know, I'm starting to feel like I'm finding my way. I'm play. I played in like six games, got a couple points again. Um, but then the same thing, you know, they traded me. I was more. I kind of knew going in that that was more of a temporary thing. They had a few, you know, like two or three guys injured, and you know, they just needed me to kind of come in and fill the role and you know I was hoping maybe you know if I light it up I could you know stick around but that ended up not happening and then I went out to Norfolk and that's where they needed they needed some help that was an interesting spot um for sure but um it was was nice I started playing you know consistently and they needed you know I was playing penalty kill and I'm playing power play and, and so um yeah, right now I'm just kind of uh, we're still just kind of waiting to see what my plan is. Um, my agent's kind of been doing some shopping too, but um, just kind of waiting to hear back from him on uh, you know, what the final you know say is going to be. Uh, just be like, you know, here's who's interested here, and we kind of figure out if it's going to be a good
0: spot for me, and uh, you know, then make that decision. Charlie, you were able to secure an AHL deal uh, with the Colorado Eagles right out of college. It's uh, a top farm team for Colorado Avalanche. Um, when will we report to Lynn for camp or what have they told you so far?
2: Um, as of right now, the AHL isn't starting till uh, December fourth. So and I think NHL camps uh November seventeenth. So they they've been sending me some uh just some workout videos and some film from game game film from last season and stuff like that for the last couple months. And um yeah, as of right now, hopefully I head out there beginning of November. Um but that's just that's how I know right nothing now.
4: gets pushed back again. Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: so yeah. you guys oh sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, it's just a weird spot, weird time in the world right now. Uh I know I'm not the only guy, obviously, in this situation, but uh yeah, I'm just excited to get out to Colorado at some point.
1: How does that change? How does how does all of this changed what would be a normal stop and then start again or
2: obviously it's been uh, a little bit longer. And you kind of got to pick and choose your spots when to skate and when to train harder. You know, I, I mean, I've been skating since June, maybe earlier than June at Winterhurst. And, you know, I, I want to get out there every day I can, you know, but, right. Cause I'm anxious to get on the ice, but obviously that's probably not the right thing for my body because we don't know when the season's going to start and how long it's going to be. Right. So yeah.
1: yeah and, it's a weird time. In those, in those skates, you guys have, you know, gone up against like Adam Sheel out of he's from Lakewood and, and out of North Dakota and Evan Moyes, And mm-hmm. I understand there's a goaltender out of Lindenwood that's just been giving you guys fits. <laughs> I was told to ask that you'll understand why. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> Goal, man. I mean he,
2: he gets out there every day at eight in the morning. Yeah. And we he's never- a good- He's a good guy. He's yeah. a really good guys. Really good kid, man. I respect respect him a lot. I mean, he's going out there, to get it's me, Freddie, Dawson the Picho, Timmy Gettinger, Tommy parent, Yeah. Just lasering shots by his ear at eight in the morning on a Monday. Yeah. It's and they're okay. not
4: like they're not tight exactly goalie friendly drills, you know, and he doesn't hell, yeah. complain. He'll he'll just you know, he works his ass off in there when he can. It's great. He
1: he he told me this story a few weeks ago. He says, you know, it's awesome. I mean I absolutely shut the door on them and then I realized (laughs) that they were just warming up and screwing around and they just absolutely light me up. Yeah. That's
0: so good. (laughs) You know, I I tell you what though, he, uh, you know how hard he works there on Monday mornings at eight o'clock in the morning. You should see, you should see the demand he has for the goalies that he coaches within our program. And it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Those those, those Those young, those young men that get instructed by him, they, there's a lot of energy coming that way. Yeah, you know, that's so. awesome. And that's, that's needed, you know, you
4: know, having those little details and, you know, you can see it when he's out there too. I was, Absolutely.
1: I was talking to Russ today and I said, I need something that'll make these guys laugh. And he goes, there I don't know. He goes, they're real quiet, and they're real <laughs> reserved. He goes, but ask him about the goalie from Lindenwood. And he used yeah. his name, but, you know, no, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no free ads here. No,
0: no, no, no. Yeah. There's no way we're mentioning his name because he'd, no. he'd walk around his head this big. Yeah. So we're not we're, we're not doing that. He's the goalie from Lindenwood. So we, yeah. That's so good.
1: <laughs> so you guys start a clothing line. Boom, boom, tuck.
0: Yeah.
1: How would you guys get the idea to start a, a clothing line, and what was the inspiration behind it?
4: Well, so I guess if we start with what I guess where Boom Boom Tuck came from. So, um one of the years that Chuck played in Columbus, I think it was his second year, he had like yeah, Christmas scored... break.
2: I think Christmas break of uh my senior year,
4: right? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he's like ripping it up. He's got like a goal a game or something, and we're in the all in the basement, you know, having a few drinks. He's feeling comfortable, and Chuck's, you know. To getting a little cocky now. You know, he's like, oh, I've had a few drinks. I've I've been scoring a goal every game, boys. Like, look at me. And so we're all like, you know, joking around the basement. And he's just like, yeah, it's just so easy. You know, all I do is fly down the wing. And I just go boom, boom, tuck, post in. And like there's like a stick handle. You're like boom, boom, tuck. And like, and it just was the way he said it. And like all of us thought it was hilarious. And it just stuck. I think we each said it maybe about a hundred times, you know, that night. And then uh uh, it just kind of became like our friend group, you know, just think like we're, we're boom, boom, Tuck, you know, like Wu-Tang Clan or somehow we're boom, boom, Tuck, Um, and so, you know, then a, few, a couple of years go by and the Chuck's just, we're just like, you know, we got to start like a business or something with this. Like boom, boom, Tuck is something, it's something, you know, and then, um, with quarantine coming around Chuck was like hey man like let's just get some clothes going you know like let's let's you know get get a substance let's get something out there um, you know and that's where you know we just started to you know get some hoodies going some t-shirts and you know the clothing line became like what it is right now we're still kind of you know tweaking on and working on it and changing stuff every day and you know we're still not quite sure you know what the end product of what this is you know what else you know what other elements we want to kind of dive into but you know for now we're just you know trying to make some clothes and you know spread a message uh you know that uh positivity you know and I think it kind of represents me and Charlie you know as 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 a unit you know we like we said we both kind of grew up together going through hockey together and we've been both been lucky enough to have you know you know a brother you know someone to you know experienced all these things with and the hard times and and uh you know the good times so I just you know we just thought that uh you know we could you know, expand our little brother family into, you know, boom, boom, talk and have everyone, you know, be a part of it. And, you know, to just try and do something cool with it.
1: So you guys have the hats, the shirts, the hoodies. What else is, Uh, are coming down the road as far as yeah
4: we got some uh, some shorts coming next um i think they're gonna be pretty cool um kind of like some basketball style mesh shorts um it's gonna be getting colder here so we're obviously we're gonna do some jogger like sweatpants we got a cool jacket um kind of like an anorak style jacket we're working up um
2: beanies going some hats yeah
4: yeah we're gonna try to do a little bit of everything you know um we just kind of you know, look around online and kind of you know find some different you know manufacturers and different uh you know companies that you know specialize in making little different things and uh you know just fits the budget. You know, we're gonna try and do it. And I've you know I keep saying and you know as long as people you know kind of wanna you know will buy the stuff and you know want to help represent the cause and become part of the unit, like I'll keep it going. You know, and you know I think it's been fun for both of us for uh for starters.
1: Where can people find the the clothing line?
4: BoomBoomTalk.com, or BAM, yeah, or Instagram, (laughs) BoomBoomTalk, Twitter, (laughs) Facebook, shop. We're we're everywhere, you know. So, um, kind of, you know, just kind of slowly getting into it, kind of finding our footing. Um, but I feel like we both have already learned a lot and, um, you know, it's, it's been, a f- it's been fun. And you know, I think, uh, I'm excited to kind of see where we're able to take it and, uh, you know, who else is, uh, you know, wants to be a part of this thing. Cause it's been, you know, it's been cool.
0: Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, like I said, I was uh, looking online before we uh, started this and, uh, um yeah I'd, I'd, I'd love to wear some of that stuff i don't know if yeah, i can pull we'll it have, off we'll have to we'll, we'll get your info and all this stuff we'll get you guys a care, a care package over oh, there, there we go. Look, uh, just, russ russick russ yeah. which sent us a care package too of of lululemon and i can't fit my left leg in the chin, <laughs> we'll get you, <laughs>
1: you, know, we'll, get you the, the, we'll get you that high
0: quality boom boom tuck stuff all right yeah, yeah. it'll fit yeah. you right
1: comfort fit man. yeah Russ like here's
0: yeah. a pair of pants i'm like for what? My love? Uh, we, got you. <laughs> on, we, got you. we got you covered. Right. <laughs> so, being a hockey player means being creative, mm-hmm. uh, especially the style that both of you guys uh, have. So, I've been asked via Twitter um, okay. to ask you both All right. about, about your tattoos. Tat- okay. tattoos. Yeah. What was the inspiration for those? And you draw your own before getting them done?
1: Uh, let's see. When did you first get them?
2: uh freddie got the first yeah. tattoo because uh... i was 15 i
4: think when i got my first one i got a quote up my side it's uh, the it says don't be afraid to be amazing it's just kind of like a family quote that we've had and that was my first one and weirdly enough the tattoo artist when i got it uh, that's pretty young to get the first tattoo my mom wonderful mother that she is She's yeah. there. she sat through every second of tattoos i've gotten except for a couple out of school but other than that she's always been there she was super supportive and cool with them um but yeah the tattoo artist was like welcome to your new addiction and i'm just like thinking i oh, yeah, was this guy talking about and then out of nowhere like i'm just like wanting to get tattoos and mm-hmm. you know sometimes it just be like you know an odd you know cool meaningful idea i like think up in my head um i guess kind of uh, had the tattoo artist kind of let run with, like, I just kind of have like my, the bottom half kind of like, you know, uh, it's kind of like a hell themed uh, demonic thing. And then it leads up to, the uh, you know, like a stairway to heaven and, you know, it's got some mm-hmm. uh, clouds and stuff up top there.
1: Chuck, how about you?
2: Uh, oh yeah. For my first one was, uh, for one of, uh, Freddy's and my buddies, he passed away in a car accident, uh, Kevin Fox. We played with him growing up, uh, at the Barons and, uh, Yeah, so that was my first one. I wanted to pay respects to him, and I got uh, a fox playing hockey on my inner arm there, and after that, yeah, I kind of just went wild and got a bunch of other stuff. I haven't gotten one in probably a year and a half. So I'm I'm
4: I'm I'm
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm anxious to get back in the shop. But, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff, meaningful stuff for my family and got a couple for buddies and stuff. I got matching tattoos, and I got – my favorite one's probably I got Gerard on the bottom of my foot. So that's my favorite one. Everyone gives me some shit for that. Like, <laughs> Why would you get your last
1: name on your foot? I'm like, dude, it's cool. I like it.
2: You know
1: that's cool. Do you, do, know? You, do you guys go locally? Do you use artists that are local or just like some at school and some? Yeah, usually we go to the same guy here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But I've, I've only gotten,
2: I think, two two up in Mankato. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. really normally. Gotcha. And,
0: Well, I I want to, uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for joining us, but I want our listeners to know we, we do this via zoom and I know that they can only hear the audio. So just like, uh, the dad moment up in, uh, uh, Madison, um, i'm looking at freddie sitting on this lush couch <laughs> and chalk stuck in some tool shed yeah. basement.
2: i go why can't i sit on the couch he goes, no you get in the back room <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, hey, so- hey, and how about when we started and, and, and freddie goes Oh God! I gotta go help him out. I'll be right back. Yeah,
4: he kicked the mic going. So, and the, that's and why the, he's back and then there. Charlie's
1: Charlie's camera comes on, and you see Freddie walking out the door, going yeah. back to the couch.
0: <laughs> I was I was sitting here the entire time, laughing to myself, going, "Chuck's just stuck in his freaking tool shed, and <laughs> Freddie's over there lounging with my... the big couch." Man, yeah, I'm
4: the I'm the older brother. You know, I, this is my kingdom. And... <laughs> so,
0: well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, Gavin, thank uh, you so uh, much for having, having a good discussion. Yeah. Um, if you're interested, boom, boom, uh, to go to, you should, everyone should go check it out. Yeah. Some really cool stuff. Yeah. We
4: still got some stuff up there. We're almost sold out, but, uh, we got some more coming, uh, season 3 it'll be up in the next month or month and a half or so. So
0: awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, hope to see you guys around the, the rinks here soon. Yeah. If I don't see you before you guys leave, good luck, uh, in Thank your you. adventures, Stay in touch with us, please. Yes, and, of, course. And, guys. of course. And of again, course. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Nice talking to you. Yeah, thank
4: you so much. Thank you.
0: This third period of the episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Boom Boom Tuck, series of authentic clothing collections. Go to boomboomtuck.com. Well, Jay, hey, what a great show today. We talked to uh, some really, really interesting people. John Hefferman from uh, Columbus. uh, Talked to him about his work working with uh, tons of kids from all different socioeconomic and diverse uh, uh, situations, and how he's getting them in the game of hockey. And man, such a humble guy gets gets nominated for the Willie O'Reid, uh Award, and basically just says he he would rather just have the kind Willie Reed on how to keep bringing kids into this sport or into any sport instead of having a trophy that says he won the award.
1: You know what? What I I enjoyed the best about John, like you said, was, was his humility. And, and like you said as well, you know, he'd much rather have the friendship of Willie O'Ree than of having some trophy on his wall and what he's doing. It was such a, it was such an honor to listen to that conversation, to listen to him talk. You know, the fact that, and like I said, at the beginning, it blew me away. You go from touching 10 to 15 kids to touching 5,000 a year, 5,000 new a year. And all that, all that the Cleveland Ice Hockey Club and, and John Hefferman,, be it with possibility of job, be it with just life skills and, and, and exposing those that will not have access to hockey, giving them that access. And just you want to talk, we talk all the time about growing the game for the better. John Hafferman grows the game to the utmost it was fantastic
0: it was was such an uh an inspiring listen for me uh and i know for you as well jay you know you're shaking your head there It was very inspiring to know that we have people in this world like john that no matter what he's just he's just doing it for the betterment of the kid yeah you know and that's it you know no 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 accolades, no, I mean, I would, I would assume, I don't know this, but I'm, I would assume if there is any financial uh, stipend to that, it's very little, right? right? You know, so um, it was just a very inspiring uh, and inspirational listen and talk that we had with him. And it was great. Again, you and I get to do something. It's definitely somebody I want to, I want to stay in touch with. And I want to keep talking to,
1: you know, you said, it. I, I really do believe you said it best. It was inspiring. I mean, you look at, the NHL puts out hockey is for everyone. Hockey is for everyone. And then society is telling us that no, it's not. And there's not, not to get on a soapbox, but there's so much negativity in our world right now, especially right now in a pandemic with all the crap that's going on, people not treating others as human beings to listen to John talk today and to learn of what he's doing, because when he was nominated for the award, yeah, we would get blurbs on on what it was about, what he was doing, and then to research it, but to hear it come out of his mouth and to hear yeah. intricacies of it, it was so refreshing. And as you said, so inspiring.
0: But you it, could hear you could hear the passion come yes, out of his mouth. Exactly. Like, like he even said, he's like, "Well, what's next for us? I don't know. You know, I just turned sixty. My my goal and job is is to figure out how we can sustain this when." him and the president are no longer running it hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, awesome. that, that's good. Yeah. So then, then we had a chance to sit down with the Gerard brothers and they are full of energy. Um, And I, I just, I, I could sit there and listen to those two talk and talk and talk and they're they're, you know, their Avenue or they're through the game that they went from youth to juniors. And it was kind of similar, but kind of different. And I find it, you don't find too many, times where brothers can go through that process together Mm -hmm. and the fact that that you know freddie was like i wanted to go to to mankato i wanted to go play with my brother chuck you know and they just didn't have a spot well all right well he wanted to go there with his brother one and i got two things out of this that those two those two guys figure out a way to to work with each other and usually that doesn't happen too much with with brothers or sisters or whatever it may be so that's good and then secondly He was told no. And you know what? The, the, the great example there is if you're told no move on and find somebody or some team that wants you. And he did that with the Ohio state university Buckeyes. Yeah. So
1: I I think too, from, let's go to Chucky's point of view. He had the opportunity to learn from who better than your brother. So, so Freddie's, well, how did it work? No. Uh, Charlie committed to, uh, no, before Mankato, to Madison in the USHL. And Freddie came in, they're playing together. And, you know, uh, Freddie's been being told no, Charlie's yes. But Charlie's also watching his brother and how it works. I mean, hell, their first camp together, what, hat trick in the first shift. And one brother scoring the goals, the other brother's getting all the assists. I mean, it's rare in life that you get to go through that much together and they do. They do could,
0: could you imagine the impact Freddie must have had on that camp? Because they told him no, you're too old. Yeah. And then what do they do? They give them the assistant captains. Uh, yeah, A.
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think they gave him the C later on later in that year. It's great I mean, but here's another thing I got out of those guys. Other other than the energy, which is absolutely infectious and awesome. And they were always smiling. And I know our listeners can't see that, but they were smiling and laughing, well you can't hear the laughter. But
0: So, and then, and then talking to them, Jay, about Boom Boom Tuck, one, how the name came about, and then two, uh, the clothing brand, and I highly suggest our listeners go to BoomBoomTuck.com and and check that out. Um, Well, we're cutting, dust it off, go ahead.
1: I do, I do remember what I was going to say now, I apologize. Um, They they are much younger than us. We knew who they were growing up. We followed along with them. We've all been friends. We were hanging out in their basement, having a couple pops or whatever, and they were telling stories. They are very. They even spoke about it in the interview about being good teammates and, and helping make teammates and things be inclusive and feel part of something. They they welcomed us into their home today, and they made us feel that way. It was just they were a lot of fun. high energy, definitely high energy. A lot Absolutely. of fun. A lot of fun.
0: Well, caught and dusted off. That'll do it for episode twenty three of On Air. Special thank you to our guests, the finalist for the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award, Mr. John Hafferman, as well as from Boom Boom Tuck Clothing, Freddie and Charlie Gerard. Check us out next week when we'll sit down with the creators of the NUMA Empire, Jared and Brandon Smith, as well as former head coach of the Miami University Redhawks, Enrico Blasi. You can find the on-air podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes and archives, as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continuing to grow the game the best that we can, this is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest Podcast.
3: Saturday.